0: Welcome to the new East Lothian Libraries podcast, Shoosh. I'm Lorraine and I work out of Gullen Library and with me today is Wilma from Musselburgh Library and Katie from Headquarters. We're going to be talking about classic books, what makes a classic, what's your favourite classic um, and other reasons why a book becomes a classic.
1: Now, I'm going to start by asking, well, Mark, what are you reading at the moment? Um, I'm actually reading Janet Ivanovich's Game On. It's part of the Stephanie Plum Bounty Hunter series. So I've been reading them since the first one, and I think this is about 24, 25 in the series. So you definitely recommend it then? Definitely, (laughs) yes. if you like a good laugh out loud book... We that's so is it crime then it yes. it's crime but it's more it, just it's, it's funny yeah so it is very funny oh that's good and Katie
2: I'm reading Jane Eyre at the minute
0: aha very yeah. apt for our uh, discussion it today is,
2: yeah Wilma mentioned it the last time we had a meeting talking about like classics and classic books um there was mainly because I was trying to find some things to read on Libby um on our ebook app. And I knew that their Jane Eyre would be there because they tend mm-hmm. to always have the classics. So, yeah, so found that old paperback copy. Do, right. So, does Libby
0: have most of the classics, do you think?
2: It has most of the classics. They're normally the first ones that get put on just because okay. you know, obviously they're, they're out of copyright,
0: so almost any like ebook libel is going to have uh, them. Right. And uh, do they tend to be on all the time then, or is there a rotation on Libby? I don't know much about the actual stock of Libby.
2: The so, stock of Libby stays. Until it's had a certain number of issues. That's if it's something that we're buying. So, like the classics should be there, and they should kind of always be there. We're not really deciding what to take off. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if there's something that's not there, though, you can always send in a request, and we can get it bought and put on there. Yeah. Oh, good.
0: What makes a book a classic? So I googled it because it seems to be that when you look at Penguins, have their classics. Mm-hmm. So they've got the hundred top books. Mm-hmm. And then you'll have uh, newspapers generally tend to do their top classic books and classics you must read. So when I was Googling, I found the the titles, and if we, we go through each title, so what a, cl- a a classic book needs to have, or it needs to express artistic quality. So do we want to discuss what that actually is? What you would take the from that?
2: Saying that it has to have artistic quality reminds me of um, last time when we were talking about Lady Chatterley's Lover. Yes. And that was then unbanned in a court case because it was said to have merit. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And so it couldn't be censored because it did have merit. But it's funny because honestly, what has merit in what
0: time period is going to change a lot. Funny, because it, it actually as a note to your thing, it may not be a bestseller today due to the pacing and dated language, but you can learn from it and be in, inspired by its prose.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So the artistic quality would be looking at more for an educational point of view. Yeah. Do you think
1: that's fair? Yeah, I would say so, because a lot of the classics are read in school. Yeah. Um, you go back to your old school days and you do know that you were given classics to read.
0: Yeah. Although I have to say, that, scarily for myself, there's very few classics on the list that I've read. <laughs> well, I <laughs>
1: have to put my hand up. <laughs> yes, and the ones that I have read. Did you remember going? Oh, read that at school. Well, I remember that from school.
0: <laughs> yes. So, so the next criteria it has to to fit, um to have to fit as classic book. It stands the test of time. It's it says here. In other words, if the book was published in the recent past, it is not a classic. While the term modern classic may apply to books written after World War II, jevity To achieve the designation of a simple classic,
2: I find that funny. Trying to think what is the most recent book. That you would call a classic and like looking from like the, the list of was like oh you know our top 100 books and stuff I think kind of most recent one that comes up is kind of the 60s you know you've got like the bell jar and you've got like Thomas mm-hmm. Pynchon stuff but it's when do you when do you decide that right this is enough of a there's enough of a gap yeah when it was like a cut off
0: period um, yeah. Yeah. I looked at the, the 100 top classics for Penguin mm-hmm. publishers and their I think most recent book was 1995 oh, and the Secret History by Donna Tartt, mm-hmm. which I've got at home to read. So another modern classic, and I know you've mentioned it before, mm-hmm. is Spotting*.
2: I think <coughs> the other thing is because a classic is kind of a window into its time, mm-hmm. like, you know, it, it tells you a lot of context about what was important at this point in time. You know, was this book subversive for its time or was it, you know, kind of considered quite mainstream? And I think the you know, there's, there's definitely some truth in that you can't judge whether a book's a good kind of reflection of its time until enough times pass that you can look back and then go, Mm -hmm. oh, right, okay, yes, no, that decade was about this. Everyone was worried about this. Mm -hmm. I think that train Spotting, I feel like it might be on the, just like on the the cusp of that because it's what published early 90s. Late 80s? It's seven seven eighties, eighties, yes, it's set Yes, the late,
0: latest, and it's for example Shuggy Bain, which yeah. won the Booker last year. I think that will become a classic, yeah. mm-hmm. and that's you know set in eighties Glasgow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's obviously it's from and it's from his experiences of eighties Glasgow, but it's written now. But then, how long do you leave it till it be, it comes into that
1: classic? Yeah, it becomes a classic. yeah. it's always like um, the one that sticks in my mind is Essie Hinton's. The Outsiders, now that is about gang culture from mm-hmm. the haves and the have-nots. And a lot of that is still relevant today. We still have yeah. gangs, we still have gang crime, unfortunately. But the book is relevant 50 years after it was written. So does that then become a classic? And it's studied in the schools, because I know my daughters did it at school. school. i school, and I've actually mm-hmm. requested it again. Um, and Francis Coppola made a, a movie of it. yeah. And the movie's is far oh, no. <laughs> It's got some great <laughs> Original Brackback. Yeah, yes. Yeah, so it's always been a favourite of mine. And in this day and age, it is. Really have you seen it on. come up on any of the classic lists? I'm, I'm sure it's on the yep, BBC on the, the 100. So let's, we'll talk about that,
0: actually, just as you mentioned that. So at the, moment, at the moment, the library has a collection called 100 Novels That Shaped Our World.
2: Yes, we split it into two 50 fifty-book collections because it would be very unwieldy. Um, but it comes from a 2019 list produced by the BBC. It's from a panel of six kind of literary professionals, one of which was Alexander McCall Smith. And I think Kit de as well. So it's 100 novels that shaped our world and they kind of split it up into different sections. So like here's, you know, 10 books about identity, 10 books about coming of age. So we have this collection in the library. The only one we didn't manage to get was um, Ice Candyman by Bapsi Sidwa. Because it is impossible to get it anywhere. There is not a copy on Amazon anywhere. There's only second hand ones for like 40 quid.
0: Because when was it published originally then? Not
2: that long ago. I think it was 2006. So it was the 21st century. So that's been replaced with train spotting. Right. Um, just because I couldn't bear the thought of sending out 99 books, books this year. That would be wrong. That would be wrong. <laughs> Yeah, but it's funny which ones have been going out. So, like some of the the classic classics, like Rebecca, you know, they're mm-hmm. constantly going out. The other ones, like A Confederacy of Dunces, because that got a lot of requests because Billy Connolly announced yes, it's percent, my favourite. Yes. yes, yeah, little sticker on the front cover, my favourite book, Billy Connolly. Yeah. So, yeah, so a lot of people have have rushed to see why it's his
0: favourite. I know it was popular, certainly the branch I was working in when you sent me the first 50, it was a popular Mm -hmm. collection for people to go, oh, whether they were reading it again Mm -hmm. or, because it, and also it has a book like Dune in it that's obviously just been made into a film. But I'll ask you, Wilma, was working in the libraries for, because you're quite seasoned working in the libraries, do you see... A difference in the classics going out is it mo- mostly teenage kids coming in for school or do, th- do you see a lot of adults coming back and
1: I do find it as um, a lot of- if they've been given a reading list from school or from uni or something, that like they've mm-hmm. got to read the classics, they'll come in and get them. But I know, like someone like myself who sometimes goes, Oh, I remember that from, I'm going to read it again. Yeah. And you do find, and they're in a, quite a prominent position within our branch. Mm-hmm. So they are, they're bright in your face kind of thing. So yeah, we do see people borrowing them more. Yeah. yeah That's when we good. Might read again. Mm-hmm. Or the other big thing is if there's a film being made,
0: mm-hmm.
1: like Emma. Pride and Prejudice, Mr. Darcy, things like that, if they, they've come out at the, at the cinema or anything on the lines like when The Great Gatsby comes out, you usually find you want to read the book to compare, mm-hmm. and I'm always one that the book's always better, but oh, yeah. that is my opinion, <laughs> yeah. that is feel the book, your imagination can do more than a movie ever could mm-hmm. when you're reading a book, so yeah, um, we do find that. They do you have spits and spots where they won't go out for a while, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden, you think, Oh, there's been a few mm-hmm. taken, yeah? Or if they've been on the telly, a new cover version of a movie, it, it spurs people on to come and meet them again, mm-hmm. which is great mm-hmm.
0: because yeah. it means they're still obviously still relevant,
1: yes, definitely,
0: and they stand the test of time. Mm-hmm. So, the next title. Of criteria is has universal appeal. It says great works of literature will touch readers to their very core. Mm-hmm. Uh, themes of love, hate, death, life, and faith, for example, touch upon some of our most basic emotional responses. But then I wonder sometimes some of the classics are they a bit unreadable yes. for the ger- <laughs> general public? Uh,
2: <coughs> when so I did English literature at uni, and in the first the first like term, they the course was oversubscribed. So they kind of deliberately were like, right, you're going to go read the classics. You're not going to do any of the fun stuff yet. We're going to try and put people off this. And <laughs> so the first book we were reading was Robinson Crusoe, because it's, you know, is considered like the first book in the English language, the first novel. And my God, this is boring. Is it? Oh it is. <sighs> the first half is just him, you know, kind of... Just swithering around from place to place on various ships, you know, mm-hmm. being shipwrecked um with this wee African boy who he then sail sells into slavery on a Spanish ship, and then he and then he actually gets shipwrecked, mm-hmm. and you get the proper shipwrecked and the man Friday. But then it's just like a, it's like an inventory of all the all the shelves he's building, and he's like, I built this shelf and I built that shelf, and I'm like, oh my goodness, no wonder this is the first novel because uh, it's really it's not a page turner. No. It's really not a page
0: turner. And did they they lose a few people off the course after that one? A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I would have cried having to read that. I just see your list, actually, Katie, of, you've said, classics read at uni. My goodness, the list is... Some of them I didn't finish, so I am cheating a little
2: bit when I put um, North and South. I didn't finish North and South. I didn't finish The Mayor of
0: Casterbridge.
2: I didn't finish Paradise Lost. I barely got through the first chapter of
0: Paradise Lost. So then that's an interesting question then, because if you want to read a classic, should you really finish it to say that you've read it? That's the other thing. That's, and that's a, a very sort of interesting question, I think, is at what point do you decide you're not getting through this book? And this doesn't just relate to classics, mm-hmm. but any book. Because I wrote and read The Goldfinch, mm-hmm. But that t- took me two goals because I read the first couple of chapters and thought, this is not for me, I really am, I'm really, not enjoying it. And my friend who'd recommended it originally said, no, 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 stick with it, try it again. And I did,
1: and I tried it again, and I actually
0: really enjoyed yeah, the book.
1: Yeah, yeah. But at what point do you say to yourself, I'm not I going to read this? I sometimes find if it's not holding my interest and I don't want to be bothered picking it up, I think, well, that's... I know I've to my bed and I'm
0: like, not interested in picking I like up. I was like that with...
1: Um, Sadie Smith's White Teeth. Or did you not? I couldn't get into that book, mm. but I went back to it um, a wee while later and I did read, read it out. right through. But to start with, I felt it was a toil. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Couldn't get into it at all. But sometimes people rave about a bit of book, and then when you go to read it, I think. What are they raving about? Right. I can't get this. I have to say, for all intents and purposes, that's why I read Lady Chatterley's Lover, because mm-hmm. one, it was a band found mm-hmm. upon book, and two, somebody raved about it. And when I read it, I went, It's what's what's to it? in this day and age, that is not that shocking. Mm-hmm. But probably back then it was. Mm-hmm. Um but I know myself, if I'm just like, Oh no, no, no. Mm-hmm. and I do hate it. I hate not
0: finishing a book. I think because at the back of your mind, I'm always wondering, what oh, if it really is amazing though, and I've just not given know, it a proper chance. No, you know,
1: I have to put my hand up. My younger self used to be so naughty when I was struggling. I just got the back two pages. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, I knew where you were. I knew you were going with that sentence, and I thought, no, no, she can't possibly. You say.
1: It my younger self, for my bad, but mean um, you know, I wouldn't do that now. I just try plow on because I hate not finishing a book. Um, yeah. Sometimes you've just got no choice to just yeah. give up on it. I've mellowed a lot about not finishing
2: books because I used to be like, oh, it would, mm-hmm. no, you yeah. know.
0: Mm. I think sometimes life's too short as well. You think there are so many books out there. Why would mm-hmm. I sit and read a book I'm really not enjoying when there's there's so many mm-hmm. other good books out mm-hmm.
1: there. Sometimes
2: though, I need like a, a run up for a book. So like it took mm-hmm. me three attempts to read Catch Twenty Two, and I really enjoyed it in the end. I really love it. Really recommend it. But it did take me like three mm-hmm. goes to get there. And the other one was like I started reading Jane Eyre when I was younger because it was in like the Ultimate Teen Book Guide, and mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I'll see what all the fuss is about. Got to the bit where she goes to school. Love it. Love a school story. Once she gets to Thornfield House. I was like, oh, this is just boring, gave up. But then I read The Air Affair by Jasper Ford, which is this kind of madcap funny book in a world that's slightly like our own. And there is a a literary crimes division of the police for people stealing manuscripts and plagiarism and stuff. (laughs) And in this world, Jane Eyre Eyre is written. It's a book, it's a classic, but it ends a particular way that a lot of people are disappointed with. And then by the end of of the book events have conspired that the ending's now changed and the ending is now this really exciting ending that people love. Mm -hmm. And so I read this and I was like, oh, but I don't know which ending's the real one. I need to... So that (laughs) spurred me to finish finish Jane Eyre. So I think that's what what really drives me to finish classics if I'm struggling with it. If there's a film that I know is coming out, I want to try and read it before the film. Yes, I'm definitely like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Did you not read War and Peace last year? I did. I did. I so like not 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 just like not off the spur of it. I didn't think, oh I'll read War and Peace and I'll do it. Because it did take me a full year. I got out a copy before like the last working day before lockdown hit. Mm -hmm. And then lockdown hit and I was like timed that right. But it was because, so there's a musical called Natasha Pierre and the Great Comet of 1812, and it's based off a small slice of War and Peace, just like a small interesting bit. And the lyrics have a lot of words just lifted verbatim from the book. So I was like, oh, well, you know, I really like that. I want to see this, this language in like its context. Mm-hmm. And I'd really like the BBC War and Peace series. So I was like, right, I know who everyone's names are. I know where everyone is. I know what are the big battles that I actually need to pay attention to. Let's give it a go. The Peace Bits? Love them. Couldn't get enough of them. The war bits. No, I, I, if I was reading it again, I would skip those bits and just cut straight to all the like interpersonal drama. So, was it the
0: description of the war parts? Was it?
2: It's partly the, the description because it is kind of just being very exact about which regiments are where, which oh. battalions are where, oh, okay. well, the other half of the war bits is Tolstoy just kind of going off on an essay about. Napoleon and the Great Man Theory, and that history isn't made by one man, and historiography, and it's just you know I'm, I'm there for the I'm I'm there for the sentiments I'm there for the emotions, but while I was reading it because what you're saying about the the books need to have universal appeal, I was surprised how much I found that in War and Peace. Thanks. There was one point, and I took a, a picture of it when I got to the page. It was, cause it was the quote was Pierre had been aware that salvation from that despair and from these doubts lay in his own hands but now he felt that it was not his fault that the world was collapsing before his eyes and that nothing was left by me- but meaningless ruins and that really hit me in the middle of <laughs> lockdown and was like yeah it does feel a bit like the world is ending yeah, yeah, someone so, else has
0: felt that way before so because War and Peace is I mean you know you should yeah. almost get a certificate for saying yeah. I've read War and Peace but, I it.
2: and I feel as well that is such, a, is such a motivator for people reading classics, is that afterwards you can tick it off the list. Yes. You know, those lists of 100 books to read before you die, I've done it. I've yeah. done the whole thing.
0: Yeah, so it's very satisfying mm-hmm. that you have read it. And um, Would you would you recommend it to read to someone else, or only if...?
2: Only if they already really like that world.
0: Right, okay. So if
2: they've liked the TV series or they want to, to go into it more, or if, you know, if they've read like other Russian classics, and they're like, oh, mm-hmm. I want to read the Russian classic now. Mm-hmm. But I think you need to be very motivated to get through all of War and Peace.
0: Oh, well done.
2: Well done, Katie. <laughs> <laughs> it's not <a> competition. <laughs> <laughs> well no,
0: if it is, you've won. <laughs> so the next title, it says, it needs to a classic needs to make connections. Now it says you can study a classic and discover influences from other writers and other great works of literature. Of course, this is partly related to the universal appeal of a classic. Still, classics are always informed by the history of ideas in literature, whether unconsciously or specifically worked into the text. So is that basically saying then it needs to be drawing from other works of literature and classics then to become a classic itself? Is that what that's saying?
1: Mm -hmm. Mm
2: -hmm. Interesting how they start with, you can study a classic... Because that sometimes feels like what you're doing, especially mm-hmm. if you—it's like the penguin editions where they have the notes, and so I've—I've I've been like flicking back between the like the footnotes on the copy of Jane Eyre I'm reading, and sometimes it's just like, what exactly is a counterpane? I can never remember what it is. What exactly is a tucker? You know, like, yeah, like archaic words. chords. And sometimes, you know, I'll, I'll flick to the end for the notes. And they'll say, oh, well, this particular usage is actually inspired by William Blake or this is, mm. you know, some like uh, classic, yes. some reference that someone reading it at the time would have noticed as an influence.
1: Lost on the people these days, yeah, reading the classics. Cause you, it's not words we use anymore. You know? no. um, so, yeah. I think when
0: Harry Potter came out, it was around the time the films of Lord of the Rings came out mm-hmm. And I felt at the time there was a lot of the troll, mm-hmm. you know, various storylines that mm-hmm. you kind of go, that's, and that's not that I've read Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. but I've read all the Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. But it was, uh, and it was possibly because they were out at the same time. Mm-hmm. That it was kind it's of weird. going, yeah. So, it, and her mm-hmm. influence, and a friend of mine actually is not that big a fan of Harry, Harry Potter books because she fe- felt they were the worst witch was actually uh-huh. written much better and mm-hmm. that she's kind of yeah. taken ideas from the worst witch
2: there's the whole thing of um because I think someone asked because the uh, Wizard of Earthsea by Ursula Le Guin that has a school for wizards and it. that's when mm-hmm. the main character goes it goes to the school for wizards and there was a an excerpt from an interview where someone had asked her you know it's like how do you compare these two you know wizard schools between yours and JK Rowling's I can't remember what she said exactly but it was basically you know these are two different books entirely mm-hmm. you know it's saying that there's a school where you learn magic is not very original on its own, because no. there have been upteen books about, you know, yeah. Yeah. how do you learn magic?
0: I suppose it's comparing any high school, you could say that, well, this book was written about high school, but so was this book, so mm-hmm. you know, yeah. they're not yeah. actually the, yeah. the same books
2: worse and Mallory Towers are the same, because
0: they're both about private schools and yes. kind of being mm-hmm. and all. Yeah. That. Thank you for giving examples. I could not know <laughs> an example in <laughs> my head at that point. <laughs> well, it's in as Well so. Yes. <laughs> yeah. so the last criteria is the classic um is relevant to multiple generations. Well it's it's obviously going to be that because it's a classic so it's
1: mm-hmm. going to
0: mm-hmm. you know yeah. generations so are going to fall in love. Well, yeah. yeah they've
1: read it at school so you want to go back and read it. As like an adult, novel. yeah. Um I do Tend to do that a lot. There's a book that I really enjoyed at school. Mm-hmm. I'll go back, like um, Molly Hunter's The 13th Member. That is all based in East Lothian about witch oh, trials. Oh, yes. you know, uh-huh. And it is brilliant. Um, and I do read it again and again and again because it was one that I read when I was young. Yeah. But I think with what's happening with the witch trials and that, com- um, that there was in the news and that, that we've already been through, mm-hmm. it was relevant. And I don't. I think I have got the only copy in the service, to be honest. Oh yeah, you've because you've got that hidden in your office, haven't you? I have. Oh, I, really, I really think that. That's that is one that's for I think a lot of it comes from something at school and it it does maybe trigger a fond memory. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I enjoyed reading that at school. I'm going to read it again. A bit of comfort and.
0: Yeah. I re- recently reread Forever by Judy Bloom. Because mm-hmm. I remember, I must have taken more books out. I went to Musselburgh Grammar. But it was the one book I remember getting out of the, the grammar library. And I must have read it so many times because as I was reading it as an adult, I knew what the words were, we're, like, we're coming. <laughs> and it's hilarious reading it now. You just think, oh, my goodness. I was I think I must have been about 13 when I read it. And it's just so funny mm-hmm. reading it again. And that's in the hundred. Novels that shaped yes. the world, yes, because yeah. it's obviously not a classic, but yeah. it is, you know, people yeah. of my age, when you mention Forever by Judy Blume, they're like, yes, I know that book, yeah. I remember it well.
1: I'm a older than you guys, mm-hmm. mine's at school we're all the new the famous five and the secret seven.
0: I've never read in a I've oh, not. Listen
2: to the audiobooks. Yeah. I could get the CDs um, for free in the newspapers. So that
0: was kind of the long car journey one was... Yeah. Famous yeah. By oh, by yeah. Well, actually, so I've got an interesting question. So... Pride and Prejudice, I've never read any Jane Austen, I've seen Sense and Sensibility the film, but I've never actually watched Pride and Prejudice, the television show, mm-hmm. especially the one with Colin Firth and the famous, Can get the book stars, book stars, book which book. apparently isn't actually even in the book That scene, apparently. Mm-hmm. So I got Pride and Prejudice, I started reading it and I thought there's no way I'm going to finish this by the time we were recording this podcast.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: <coughs> so... I took a look back and um, at Dunbar Grammar, they had a Barrington Stoke copy of it. Mm. Now, just for the listeners, Enzi, who isn't aware of Barrington Stoke, their publishers, basically their, their line is, they publishers breaking down barriers to reading. They work with the best writers and illustrators to publish super-readable, accessible books that help every child experience the joy of reading, working with children with dyslexia or visual stress and those reluctant to engage or read for pleasure. Now, what I liked about it was it was a quick read mm. and it gave me the story. So I now know what happens in Pride and Prejudice because I did not have time to read the book. Is that, is, is that a form of cheating almost that I've read it that way? Well, it's only cheating if you consider it a
2: competition. Okay. Mm. You know, I think there's, there's that whole idea of, you know, I, I must read this. Yes. I yeah. Win the Olympics for reading it. When if the reason you're reading Pride and Prejudice is because you want to know what happens, you know, yes. does Mister Darcy walk out of the lake with a wet dripping yeah. shirt, yeah. and then you can read it and find out? Oh no, he doesn't. I know yeah. that now. Yeah.
0: And also the the relationship with him and Lizzie, I mm-hmm. don't know why. What, you know, I we knew from each other. trailers yeah. and things that obviously there was something going on, um, but you couldn't study. You couldn't study a Barring- Barrington Stoke as part mm-hmm. of a. a a degree or a course could you because it's all about the language and that's going to have cut down the language mm-hmm. to get the basic story yeah so
2: I would be lying if I didn't say that there were times where I'd go and I'd read the the summary of oh, what happened right. when I couldn't finish a book because that's you know part of it is the language and if you're studying it for the language or mm-hmm. if you know you want to read it for the language then you know you can definitely do that but if you're wanting it. For the story, if you want to find out why is this considered such a timeless book,
0: yeah, then then it's easier yeah. to get.
2: The other thing I was thinking of in terms of like abridged versions was thinking about so some, some like really old classic classics mm-hmm. like um, the Canterbury Tales and like Sir Gawain and the Green Knight. Because I know that there's a version of Sir Gawain and the Green Knight. By Michael Morpurgo, it's mm-hmm. in Haddington Library, and that is, you know, it's written in prose. It's not written in this weird Cumbrian dialect of Middle English, so that people can read the story of mm-hmm. what happens. And you know, you wouldn't consider that, you know, you maybe wouldn't say, "Oh, I've studied Sir Gawain in the Green Knight," if you've read that, but you would say, "I've read Gawain in the Green Knight." What <laughs> right. happens? Yes. So like, he's, he's just returning the story
1: about
0: the language, and, mm-hmm. That, yeah, yeah. Yes. and um, also, so then audio books. I know there's certain audio, certain books will come out and I think, no, I want to read that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But there's certain books come out and I think, no, audio, I'd quite like to, especially if the person reading the audio. For example, Dave Grohl, the storyteller. Mm -hmm. I had Dave Grohl in my ear all Mm -hmm. the time, and it was lovely. Mm -hmm. And actually, a friend, I'd I'd already bought the book, but then it came out on BorrowBox. Mm And I thought, I'm going to listen to this. This will be great. And my friend borrowed the book, and she could not really get into it. Mm -hmm. And actually, but the audiobook was great, because it was his expressions there in your head, Mm -hmm. and the way he told the story, rather than, I think, trying to read it. I think
1: that makes a huge difference in audiobooks because if you've got someone telling the story who isn't great at storytelling, mm-hmm. they're very monotone, you give up. I know mm-hmm. I do. I'm like, this is sending me to sleep. I'm not getting any interest in this. But if you get someone who's really good at storytelling, mm-hmm. gives you the voices, the char- you can see the, vo- the characters in your head yes. just by listening to his voice. Or her voice, and um, that makes an awful difference when it comes to Aurora. Mm-hmm. audio audiobook. For me, anyway, I know that. But the someone that's just driveling and on, I'm like, oh no, off. The <laughs> Miniaturist
0: by Jessie Burton. It was read by the author. Oh, wow. I, I, her voice, I found mm-hmm. too monotonous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. it was just. Yeah. It, it didn't. It didn't fill any joy into the book at all. Mm-hmm. So I didn't. I didn't even finish that as an audiobook. Whereas actually now I think I would have quite
1: liked
0: to read yeah. the book. Yeah. But it, as audio, it wasn't, it
1: wasn't good at it's all. A, it just it can put you off. And if it makes me fall asleep, then it's not holding my interest. So there's no point in carrying on with that. No, me. Mm. no. That's great then. So I think we've
0: covered all of the classics. Uh, do you actually have a favourite classic book,
1: Wilma? Mm, not really. As I say, I've read Jane Eyre. And I've went back to reading Jane Eyre. Still, I'm picking it up now and mm. again, um, just picking it back up where I left off. But I have to say Bram Stoker's Dracula. Mm. I love a gothic book, <laughs> um, especially vampires. I love a vampire story. I think there's been a lot of books written about Dracula over the years, mm-hmm. a lot of different versions. That this, to me, is just it just shivers. It's me. the best one. Yeah, mm. yeah, because you can just you just get the feeling coming out of the book of how evil. Dracula mm-hmm. actually yeah.
0: is. I think that probably the the one classic that always stands out for me is To Kill a Mockingbird, which I've we mm-hmm. talked about in the last pod, podcast. Mm-hmm. I did it at school, still one of my favourite books. absolutely loved that. And I think there's a few others I've maybe read, but you know, I, th- there's not a lot of them. <laughs> Although Pride and Prejudice, I really enjoyed, and yeah. I would now, if I have time, probably read more of her work because you know I've, I've kind of got over that hurdle of reading it kind of for the first time, even though it was a a Barrington Stoke yeah. version. What about you for classic? I. Probably The Prime of Miss Jean Brodie. Oh, of course, yes, yeah. I've re- I read that. I'm trying, I'm trying to fun. work my way through Muriel Sparks' yeah, collection and Robert I have read Clinton.
2: that.
0: Yeah, oh, that's... It's,
2: it's just it's so, so good. good. It's so short, it's so compact. Um, I ended up studying at one point, which was really <gasps> fascinating. But it's also just, it's just a really good, it holds your attention. It
0: pulls
1: mm-hmm. you through. And... and do you see Maggie Smith when you oh, Totally it? had Maggie Smith oh, on my head. Oh. <laughs> in my head. Oh,
0: because yeah. it's like, such an amazing film as well. Mm-hmm. And even though the book is obviously different from the film, I think the film still, it stands the test of time as a film. Mm-hmm. Um, and tells the story really well, even though there's you know mm-hmm. there's obvious differences. I love that film. Yeah. But then yeah, I love Maggie Smith.
2: That's man. the thing as well, because you know, Prime Miss June Brody would be considered a Scottish classic. Mm. And like or it's still a classic, classic. but right, you, know, okay. you have your like Scottish oh, classics yes. mm-hmm. yeah. like your Walter Scott's and like James Hogg and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So where does that feed in? Like, you know, Ooh. would we would we put that under Scottish or would we put ah. it under
0: classic if you were shelving it? I would still classic. Ed class classic is is just a classic mm-hmm. rather than a Scottish classic.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I noticed on classic.
0: your list you had Sunset Song. Now, mm-hmm. I've not read that, but it's one of my friend's favourite mm-hmm. books. I would kind of be... I don't know why. Uh-huh. I would be more inclined to put that in as a Scottish mm-hmm. classic. But for some reason, maybe it's just my loyalty to... Is Ariel it Spar- that think.
2: Gibbon changed his name to sound mm-hmm. Scottish?
0: I, I think. think is so it right?
2: I'm um, either getting him mixed up with Hugh McDermott, who did the same thing. Right. Um, but Sunset Song is set in Scotland. Yes, yes. It's set at, in Aberdeen and it's absolutely miserable. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is one of those ones that people like, you know, rave about and then yeah, I love, love it, me, and
0: you know? yeah. yeah. And actually, I think. Because I'm working through Muriel Sparks' collection, Mm -hmm. that I'm trying to think now what I've read so far. That's the only Scottish one that she's written. They're all set.
2: Yeah. So I would,
0: although I think she's always talked about as being a Scottish Mm -hmm. writer, I would think of her as actually just a writer.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) It's just Scottish. Mm
2: -hmm, I was thinking about, um, because earlier... Um, someone else mentioned film adaptations, like you know, you mm-hmm. have, yeah. once there's a you can just keep on doing the classics. You know, there'll always be a film version of Great Gatsby. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I was thinking, like you know, of kind of the big, the big classic writers. I can't remember the last time there was a Walter Scott film adaptation of anything. Oh no, a film of Ivanhoe or Waverley. That would have
0: been back back in the seventies or eighties. They yeah. might be had yeah. Ivanhoe. Maybe they need to have a re.
1: Mm-hmm. A rejig mm-hmm. of all Getting that. Getting the, yeah. the Outlander. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like a whole generation have yeah. missed out on this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's been lovely speaking
0: to you and hopefully you'll tune in for our next podcast where we'll be talking about fantasies, novels and graphic novels. And thank you for listening.